passage, which is page 1210, if you want to follow it in the church Bibles. And we're looking at love and discipline. And I wonder what comes into your head when you hear the word discipline. Love, we like. Discipline, we tend not to. I wonder images such as a stern headmaster ready to meet out appropriate or inappropriate punishment, or a child told to sit on the naughty step, or even that sense of discipline as an athlete goes through gruelling training for a marathon. It's the Bristol 10K today. Or, Or maybe for some of you, that sense of discipline is avoiding tasty food because you have to watch your calorie count. But discipline can be quite a negative word, can't it, in our culture? And the images we have in our minds of discipline can also be pretty negative images associated with pain, endurance, suffering. But we can also focus so much on the discipline side of things that we often forget the reason that the discipline is there. So the the ability to run the marathon, uh, feeling better physically for not having all those calories, or that sense of uh, training children uh, to behave But the the sense of that reason that discipline is there, it's not for its own sake. It's not just for the now. But discipline is now for something that's better in the future. The the pain now, if you like, difficulty now for something that is much, much better in the future. But also the original sense of discipline, the, the, the meaning of the word, is someone training in order to master something. So it's not necessarily the discipline is always being done to you, but that sense of you are disciplining yourself uh, or being trained and training in order to master something, to become better at something. Again, looking for that end result. And I want to suggest from today's passage in Hebrews 12 that in the Christian life, God's discipline is his gift to us in order to help us grow more like Jesus. That that discipline is God's gift to us, to each one of us, in order to help us grow more like Jesus. And if you look at the passage, uh, picking up in verse 7, there are two slightly different ways that the author to the Hebrews uh, talks to us about discipline. Two different ways that uh, God uses it to help us grow in our faith. And the first angle that he he comes in at is in verse 7, where it says where he's encouraging the Christians to endure hardship as discipline. And so the first angle on discipline is simply those difficulties in life that we face, that we all face. And in this context, it's it's the Christians who are suffering, they're suffering persecution for their faith. Uh, For us, many of us won't suffer persecution for our faith today, but that sense of hardship is something that we're all familiar with, isn't it? Whether it's any difficult situation, any kind of trial or trouble, the sense that any hardship can be used by God to grow us and make us more like Jesus. And I know, looking back on my own Christian life, that some of the most difficult times for me have been looking back, and even actually at the time I've sensed that the times that I've grown most as a Christian, where all has been stripped away, where I've learned to trust God again. I've learned to find my security in him, learn that he's all sufficient. 
So that first sense, that first angle on discipline here, um, the writer is saying that trials and hardships and struggling and, and struggles and suffering come to all of us, but God has actually ordained that they can be, if we use them right, opportunities for growth. And then the second angle that the author uh, comes in at is the sense of God disciplining us as he treats us as his sons and his daughters. And that's continuing on the, the thought from verse 7 onwards. And I guess this is a slightly more familiar sense, isn't it, of discipline for us, where parents discipline their children for their own good, mostly, uh, where the parent not only has the bigger picture, but also, most of the time, again, the best interests of the child at heart. And this sense of discipline is a, a sense of deliberately moulding character, directing behaviour, so that the child grows up to be a mature child and not just an oversized, sorry, a mature adult, and not just an oversized child. It's the kind of discipline in our household at the moment that will ensure that as Silas, uh, our little boy, grows up, he doesn't just eat yoghurt. As, as a father disciplines his son, uh, as we say, Silas, you're already on your fifth yoghurt of the day, uh, God gently is disciplining us all the time as he speaks to us through the Bible, as he speaks to us through preaching, as he speaks through us through other people and directly by the Holy Spirit, constantly pointing us to Jesus, making us more like him, moulding our character, directing our behaviour, growing our faith, dealing with our sin. And the challenge for this type of discipline, as well as the sense of enduring hardship as discipline, is for us to receive it. Not simply to be hearers of the word, as it says in James. We're going through James in the evening service at the moment. I've been, uh, been taught not just to listen to what God says, but then to actually do it. Not just to listen to what God says about the areas of our lives that he'd like to change, taking them as helpful suggestions. Thank you, Lord. Uh, that's a really helpful suggestion. I'll think about that. But the challenge is to be doers of the word as well, isn't it? To hear what God says to us and then to do it, to listen to where God wants to bring our lives in line with Jesus and then act on it. And this is all for our good. And it's all for our growth because it takes place in that context of love. The Lord disciplines those he loves. If you're not being disciplined by the Lord, then there's a problem. And usually the problem is that we're not listening. Because everyone the Lord loves, he disciplines. And he loves all of us, and he longs to discipline all of us to make us more like Christ. Because the opposite of love often isn't hate, is it? The opposite of love is complete, utter indifference. And to fail to discipline is to say, I don't care enough about how you turn out. A father, a mother who fails to discipline their child, and we've all seen it, essentially is saying to the child, I'm not bothered. I don't care enough to get involved. And that is why the Lord disciplines those he loves, because he cares enough about us. God loves us just as we are. We can all come to him empty-handed, warts and all, and the Lord will accept us because of what he's done for us in Jesus. But the Lord also loves us too much for us to remain as we are, because he wants all of us to become more like Jesus. He wants all to grow in faith, in love, in knowledge. 
He wants all of us to become more fully who he created us to be because he loves us. He wants us to produce that harvest of peace and righteousness that it talks about here in verse 11. He wants us to live well in the world with God and with others, at peace with ourselves, our neighbours, blessed by God and to be a blessing. But it all takes time, it all takes discipline. If you look at verse 11, it talks about later on. So no discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. And then it says later on. So it's that sense of the harvest comes later on, that harvest of peace and righteousness. It means us accepting that sense of hardship as discipline and staying often in that place of pain until the Lord has dealt with us in the way that he wants to. It means allowing God to speak into our lives. It means facing that challenging question to all of us. Am I seeking in the Christian life, am I seeking comfort or am I seeking Jesus? But we're not alone in any of this. And we're in a series on pastoral care. We're in a series of how can we as a church look out for each other? How can we care for each other? And I want to look at uh, briefly how we can help each other grow more like Jesus. And and the first way we can do that is simply by taking some of the truths we see in Hebrews and encouraging each other in those. That becoming more like Jesus takes time, that we should endure hardship as discipline, that we should accept the Lord's discipline because he loves us, that the harvest of righteousness and peace will come. But I'd like to suggest we can all be a bit more intentional about this as well. And we can actively seek people who will be truth-tellers for us. And we can actively seek to be truth-tellers for other people. And I mentioned earlier that God often uses each other uh, to speak to, to, uh, to each other, uses different people to do that. People who speak the truth to us in love, who love us too much for us to remain as we are. Who are there to show us gently our own sin, because we like David. And if King David couldn't see it, then what hope do we have? We're so often blind to it ourselves, aren't we? But this uh, truth-telling will often or usually best happen in a relationship of trust. And so let me ask you this morning, is there anyone like that for you? Do you have anyone who has that permission to speak into your life? Who will encourage you to strive for what it says in verse 2 of this passage, to throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and to run the race towards Jesus. Do you have truth tellers in your life? And I know that over the years for me I've uh, met with different groups of men and we've given each other permission to speak into our lives, to speak the truth in love. And those times have often been difficult and they've been vulnerable times, but they've been supportive always and utterly transforming. I'd be a different person today, I think, if those people hadn't spoken the truth to me in love and gently challenged me, and sometimes not so gently challenged me, uh, to get my act together and become more like Jesus. I've been truly blessed to have those friends who love me enough to show me where my life doesn't match up, who encourage me onwards towards all that God has created me to be. And in St. Michael's at the moment, we have been for a while encouraging something that we're calling, well, we didn't make it up, but it's called Thai Groups. I think if we had made it up, we would have come up with a slightly different uh, title for it. Thai, T-I-E, three is enough, essentially triplets. And 
the idea behind these is that uh, three people uh, meet together uh, once a week, maybe once every couple of weeks, for 45 minutes, an hour, and you'll maybe read some scriptures together, and then you'll allow each other to speak into your lives. There may be areas where you've given the other people permission to say, please hold me to account on X, Y, and Z. These are the areas that I'm struggling in at the moment. And then you'll pray for each other. And this can happen within a, a life group setting. There might be people you already know in life group. It can happen in the workplace. It's meant to be flexible enough to happen uh, anywhere and everywhere. And I think it probably works best if uh, th- that sense, if, if you sense that this is something for you to go away and pray and ask the Lord to show you, are there two other people who I could be walking uh, my life of discipleship with, who I know already quite well or would like to get to know better, the kind of people who I wouldn't mind allowing into my life to challenge me and for me to become more like Jesus. And I know when we started talking about it a while ago in staff team, uh, Julie was uh, encouraged to think about starting a Thai group. So Julie's going to tell us a little bit about how her uh, Thai group has been going so far. Thanks, Martin. Yes, I, I've been part of um, prayer groups, prayer triplets over many years, although not that recently. And uh, when we were talking about it, I had no idea who to ask to do it with me. I, I kind of felt there were people I could have gone to who I already knew, but I felt it was an opportunity perhaps to do something different. So I asked the Lord to show me who to meet with. And two people came to my mind who I approached and they said yes. So for the last six months, I've been meeting with Claire Jessup and Coral Hart. Um, in fact, we meet every two weeks, every three weeks for an hour and a half. So we meet less often, but for longer. And it's honestly been one of the best things of my last six months. It's been just such a privilege to be able to get to know them, to be able to share their journeys, um, for them to be able to you know, support me, encourage me, challenge me. Um, we've been praying through some of Paul's prayers from scriptures and uh, we, encourage, we pray for each other for opportunities to share our faith or do things, step out, and then we bring back stories and encourage each other. And it's just been really, really good. So I had no idea who to ask. I prayed and God showed me and it's a blessing. So so, um, yeah, maybe that's an action to take away. Great. Thank you, Julie. And if there is something that you sense is for you, then be praying about it. Talk to Julie. Talk to one of the clergy. Talk to life group leaders uh, about maybe if you're not quite sure who to go with. Uh, but uh, pray and, and then act upon it. And then just to finish off, a couple of pitfalls, really, when it comes to the Lord's discipline to us and these are found in verse 5 because it's not easy is it that the sense of uh, discipline is is something that we kind of brace ourselves for uh, more often than willingly embrace isn't it and but the two challenges that the pitfalls to avoid and in verse 5 do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you so the first pitfall is to make light of the Lord's discipline, to think it actually doesn't matter. It's not that important. I'm a Christian. I'm on my way to heaven. It's not that serious. I'm doing fine. Uh, Yeah, I slip up, but don't we all look at David? He slipped up. But it's that sense of living the Christian life for me rather than the Lord. It's to be a hearer of the word rather than a doer. So I think that's the first pitfall. And the second one is to lose heart when we face discipline. When hardship or rebuke comes our way, we allow it to crush us. 
Because we don't realise it comes in love. We don't realise it comes for our good. We don't realise it will produce that harvest of righteousness. We don't realise that God's grace is all sufficient. A means for our growth to liberate us and not to crush us. So as we receive discipline from the Lord, and as we challenge each other, and as we are truth-tellers to each other, we do well to avoid these pitfalls of making light of the sin we see in our own lives or even in the lives of other people, but also allowing sin to crush us and others when God longs to forgive us and to move on. So instead, we should all fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, so that we'll never grow weary, we'll never lose heart. Fix our eyes on the one who won our faith, the one who'll bring it to completion, the one who willingly went to the cross for our sin. Fix our eyes on the one who'll give us everything that we need for us to become more like him. I'd just love to give us a brief opportunity, if we sense that this is for us, a brief opportunity to respond in an appropriate way. And that sense that there are just a couple of areas that if you sense that you need to be more welcoming of the Lord's discipline as an opportunity for growth rather than resenting it. So if in, in that sense of you need to endure hardship as discipline and see that as an opportunity for growth. Or you need to welcome uh, the Holy Spirit speaking into your life as an opportunity to become more like Jesus. So if you need to welcome the Lord's discipline as that opportunity for growth, or if you desire that sense of a greater accountability with brothers and sisters here at St. Michael's, then I'd love just to uh, pray a a brief prayer uh, for all of us. And if, if that's you... I'd just ask you uh, simply to stand where you are and do nothing more than that. And uh, as you stand, I'd love just to pray. So if that's you, you sense of needing to welcome the Lord's discipline more as an opportunity for growth or uh, just a desire for greater accountability, the sense that, yeah, actually, this Thai group maybe is something for me. If that's you, I just invite you to stand uh, where you are and I'll say a short prayer for us. So just stand where you are, if that's you, and let me pray. Lord God, thank you for your word. Thank you that you discipline us because you love us. And Father, I pray for those who've stood, Lord, that you would particularly bless them. You'd fill them with your spirit. And Lord, you would give them the grace for what they need. You know what it is, Lord, we don't. But you would give them that grace uh, to become more and more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.